Hello, everyone, and welcome to the First Loved podcast. This is the second of a three-part series about First Love Ministries itself. And last week, I shared with you a bit of my own story and the initial journey of leading up to the beginning of First Loved in my own life, where I finished with 1 John 4.19. We love because He first loved us, and the need to come into His presence to be loved by Him in order to love like Him, to love as He's loved us. We got to be loved by Him first. Well, this second one, I want to go into more of just the content that really grew over those next 18 years that I was the senior pastor at our church. A lot of it, those first years was on my own, just me and the Lord. And eventually, as I began to share it with the church, other things that we experienced together, that we did together, each new piece to the material just kept growing and developing until finally we have what we call First Love to Love, the primary curriculum. And at the heart of it is about being loved and loving as loved. The opening session, session one, is the new command. Whereas before, I had started this whole journey with 1 John 4.19. We love because He first loved us. Mark, you have to come and be loved by me first, and then you'll love. But it was the new command that anchored this whole thing for me, that it wasn't just an idea. It was actually Jesus' command. You know, out of all the things that people call His commands, which are really His imperatives, Only the new command, which later, a couple chapters later, he called my command. It's the only command that he actually calls a command. And what makes it new? What makes it new is that he says, love one another as I have loved you. What makes it new is that it's impossible to obey it without being loved by Jesus, by the Father first. You can't love as unless you've been loved first. And so it so cemented and anchored what God had begun in my life through 1 John 4.19. It got anchored in that command, where again, for so long, for so many of us, I think overall unconsciously, we've read the command as if it said, love one another as you read about in the Bible, how I loved others. So you must try to love. So you must try to apply But it's not what the command says. The command says, love as I, Jesus, have loved you, which means we have to be loved by Jesus first in very tangible, concrete ways, even as the disciples experienced, in order for us to obey that command. So the main question is how? So we begin the opening part of the curriculum focusing on the new command and its relationship to the great command and loving your neighbor and loving your enemies and why it would become the focal point of our lives for every day. And it becomes foundational. When Paul said rooted and grounded in love, I think this is how we are rooted and grounded in love. And quite frankly, everything we do in our spiritual lives, our church activities, one way or another is simply doing one of those two things. They are means by which we experience being loved or they are means by which we love others. And sometimes it's what isn't love, but again, essentially, this ebb and flow, being loved and loving as loved, is the focus. And the first session really tries to say, we're never going to be known by love. We're never going to really obey and live a life of love and make it priority if it's not in front of our faces every day reminding us that this is what is most important. 
Now, again, the critical issue then is how do we get loved by Jesus today? Even when the Lord first said to me, Mark, you got to come to me and be loved. And I'm like, well, how, Lord? Well, how does anyone experience love? It's through words and actions. 1 John 3, 18, do not love in word and tongue only, but in action and in truth. The only way you can experience and know the love that's in somebody's heart is they have to express it to you through words and actions. So it was, Lord, how do I receive that love? How do I experience your love today? Well, session two is through words. And especially as the Lord would speak to you through the scripture itself. It's a degree to which it's like Lexio Divina, one of these ancient practices. But in this case, it was being very intentional about where scriptures were about God or to God, or he was simply in a sentence somehow, some way, allowing him to speak first person to me, to us personally, and love us through the scripture. Well, along the way, the next thing that happened in my life was I was doing Zephaniah 3.17, and the Lord said, Mark, I take great delight in you. And I went, why? Look at all the things that are messed up in me and the way that I failed you and how I've wronged you and others, and I'm just not measuring up. Why would you love me? I'm not worthy of your love. I don't deserve your love to whatever degree that I was feeling that day anyway. And so so many times I felt unlovable. Well, the third session of our material that we call Overcoming the Measuring Stick Mentality was recognizing I wasn't the only one who suffered from this incredibly um, strong barrier that so many of us struggle with really experiencing and receiving love from God because we don't believe to whatever degree in different days at different times, but to whatever degree we think we are worthy of that love or not. How do we overcome that mentality? How do we dismantle that mentality? Well, that's what session three is about. But of course, the second issue was how do we get loved by Jesus? How do we get loved by the Father today through actions? Well, I developed this exercise called God Sightings. It comes from John saying, no one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, Jesus has made him known. And he says it again in 1 John 4, 12, where he says, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God dwells among us and his love is made complete or reaches full measure, full expression among us. The God Sighting session is about how do we take this reality that Jesus and the Father are present in us by the Spirit, how do we capture those loving interactions in such a way that we recognize them, enjoy them, meditate on them as actual experiences of Jesus and the Father and the Spirit loving us, so that we can turn around and love as, and love because. It's a profound, wonderful practice where you actually get to really enjoy recognizing that Jesus by the Spirit and the Father by the Spirit is still present with us, loving us through one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another. And then capturing those moments so that we focus on them, we meditate on them, we are transformed by them, we are learning to love as because He loved us in very concrete ways. But somewhere along the line, I recognized that Even still, God should have the opportunity to define ultimately what love is like. And session five over the years was gathering verses from the Old and New Testament of ways that God had already loved us in the past. And then hearing those first person, hearing those personalized so that you could be loved presently. For instance, even in that passage about loving our enemies at the very end, Jesus said, then you will be children of the Most High 
because he is kind to the wicked and the ungrateful. So be merciful as your Father in heaven is merciful. And that was one of those verses where I said, Lord, say that to my heart. He said, Mark, remember that I was kind to you when you were wicked and ungrateful, that I showed you mercy. And so now I want you to be merciful. I want you to be kind in the way that I have been and always am toward you every day, all the time. This is what it looks like. Receive it again from me. Experience it again from me. Well, we have a whole collection of verses explicitly about the ways that Jesus loved, about the way the Father loved, so that we are being trained and we're understanding what love actually really looks like by being loved through those texts of where he already loved in the past, but we experience them in the present. Well, along the way, as I was doing God sightings and thinking about my day and my interactions with people, is that oftentimes I noticed that really hard things happened during the day. Bad things happened. Suffering happened. And it would oftentimes want to undermine my confidence that God really loved me. It's like, Lord, why would you do this? Or did I do something wrong? And are you punishing me? And suffering could really unnerve my confidence in God's love for me. Well, then that eventually led to session six. How do we process suffering where we entitled it remaining in God's love when bad things happen? How do we process those things in such a way that they not only don't derail us or cause us to doubt God's love for us, but Paul actually says, and it's the second half of the teaching, that he delights in these things. He delights in the suffering. He delights in the difficulties because of the amazing things that happen in and through them. How do we grow in that? How do we develop that? Well, session three, the conditional mindset, the measuring stick mentality, session six, remaining in his love when bad things happen. These are two primary barriers that prevent us from experiencing his love for us. And we really need his help. And session seven, finally, is loving God to bring him pleasure. The idea is is that finally we talk about loving God at the end but recognizing that we want to love God back and we want to love him in the ways that he loves to be loved. And it's a wonderful final session of getting concrete things from the Lord about if you really want to love me, if you really want to bring me pleasure, here's the things that you can do. And it'll fill my heart with joy. So it's about being loved and loving as and because loved, both God and one another. And all those sessions matter. There are barriers that need to be removed in order for us to continue to receive that love in order to give it away. So even First Love to Love is seven sessions. And a lot of times people only get to experience one and two. And I just want you to capture and and hear clearly today that it's much more than that. And that especially the God sighting practice and the love text practice hearing the verses, hearing him speak his love to you through your loving interactions. They are the center. They have what I have been doing for 28 years, staying in those practices in such a way that there's where I'm encountering the love of God. And and it's while I'm doing that is when I realize what I need new from the Lord to be trained in, which then led to the second part, what we call getting along, biblical steps to healing conversations. Because see, again, as I was doing God sightings and looking back over my day and my interactions with people, some days I realized I wasn't loving and some days I wasn't loved. So in the best of all worlds and most of the time, I'm trying to be loved in order to love as loved, being loved, loving as loved, being loved, loving because loved. 
is that sometimes we're not loved and sometimes we're not loving. And what do we do about that? Well, in the Getting Along curriculum, it's very practical steps, as the title says, biblical steps to healing conversations. Most of the times when we've been wronged or we've wronged somebody, we don't want to have a conversation. We don't even want to engage them. Five steps. Stop, look, listen, love, and change. The first thing is we're trying to stop in your anger. Do not sin, David said. When you're on your bed, search your hearts and be silent. Learning how, first of all, what are the ways that we sin in our anger or we sin in our fear when we've wronged somebody and we want to hide and run away to identify those things and begin to work at stopping doing those things. Stop and look. The second one in look is examining our own minds. How are we thinking? What are we feeling? And how are those tied together that thoughts and emotions are incredibly tied together? And so, you begin to examine and look at, search your heart and be silent, David said. You look at what happened. What am I thinking about it? What am I feeling about it? What am I being tempted to do to go sin against this person? But the second part of the look thing was recognizing that a lot of times, a lot of our pain is because of our own perception and interpretation of something that may not have been accurate and true. And so, the second thing is recognizing the importance of being able to go and ask good questions, to initiate a conversation, to find out and look into what was going on in their mind and in their heart when it happened, what was true, what's accurate about why they said or did something the way they did, or the fact that as you hear them talk, you realize, oh my gosh, I totally misinterpreted that. Stop, look, listen, listen. Of course, listening, you just use your ears, right? But it's so much more than that. Listening is how do you prepare your heart for this conversation? And then the biggest thing about listening is understanding, 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 both that you would understand and that the other one would understand. But the purpose of conversation at the heart of the whole thing is how do we get to understanding that we get things based in reality, based in truth, based in fact. And there are ways to ask questions. There are little things you can do that indicate that you're listening. We focus on this thing called start with the heart, don't react where you come into the conversation, H, with humility, empathy, acceptance, respect, and teachability, H-E-A-R-T, and then respect, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, that each of those letters um, focus on things that tend to be our reactions. We're listening to somebody. We could get so sidetracked from listening well because of something we heard and then we begin to rehearse or we want to interrupt or we want to attack I said that wrong. It's supposed to be react. Start with the heart. Don't react. R-E-A-C-T. R-E-A-C-T. So, anyway, each of those, running out of time, but each of those represent barriers to us listening well. So, stop, look, listen, love. Love is based on what we've heard. Are there things we need to repent of well and forgive well? And overall in the church, I discovered in my own life and in the life of our church is that we apologize really poorly And we don't forgive well either. We might say the words, but we haven't really worked through the pain and the issues so that we've really forgiven from our hearts. And if you try to have the fifth part, the change conversation, which is where everybody wants to start, well, you did this wrong and and or you need to change this and and well, if you would just change like this, and everybody wants to talk about the change conversation first or the change part of it, 
And I realized you can't even get to the change part of the conversation if you don't take care of listening well, understanding well, repenting and forgiving well if necessary so that the air is totally cleared so you can finally together approach the problem and say, how do we work at this together so that we no longer hurt each other again? But you won't have that kind of conversation if you've got all that internal noise going on. Well, the last thing that it led to, though, was recognizing that sometimes when we wrong others or we are wronged by them, sometimes this triggers things in us that we realize we have past experiences that we have not repented or forgiven well that need healing. Sometimes people refer to it as inner healing. We like to call it memory healing prayer, but it's a kind of praying, which again is very experiential with the Lord where he comes and meets us in those memories and loves us in them so that the memory no longer causes pain and anger or shame and the desire for revenge or retaliation, but we are changed where he comes and loves us in it and it heals the experience, heals the memory so that it no longer triggers all this bad stuff. But you can see all of this relates to loving. All of this is practice, it's training, But at the heart of First Love Ministries, all of this curriculum is how do we love well? How do we love God well? How do we love others well? How do we get the barriers out of the way that prevent us from loving well and receiving His love well? And what do we do when we're not loved or we're not loving? How do we fix that so that we get back to loving one another again? And mostly, we change the things so that we don't cause this pain again to one another or someone else. That's the heart and soul of First Love Ministries, helping one another experience God's love more deeply and to remove barriers, barriers from receiving and sharing that love. That's what we exist for. That's the content. That's what we do. That's the stuff we want to share and give away to everyone that we possibly can so that in the end, we really are known by love and loving in a way that's not like what everybody else does, that we only love like sinners love. It's a love that'll get noticed. It's a love that will strike up conversations and people want to know more about Jesus. It's a love that fills our lives with joy and peace. Folks, we're supposed to be really good at this. As I've mentioned at other times, it's the Jesus brand. If we wear the Jesus name, this is what they should be able to expect from us is His product, His kind of love, an extraordinary love of God, one another, of enemies. And we can't do that love unless we experience that love first. That's the content. And I hope that was helpful. I know it was fast, but at least it gives you a quick overview of what we're about and what we want to share with you. So God bless you and have a great day.